Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, my name is Audrey and thank you for joining us on True The Noise Podcast. It's been a very interesting market. Risky assets have staged a relatively strong rally over the past few months. We've got uh, global equities rising by about 13% since mid-June to mid-August before giving back about half their gains since then following rather hawkish comments by central bank offices. And clearly, the hawkish stance taken by policymakers against the backdrop of increasing signs of a growth slowdown in the economy is also spooking investors and increasing recessionary concerns. So with me today to talk about the recent developments and what it means for you as an investor is Abhilash Narayan, who leads our bond analysis within the CIO office. Today, we will discuss about the risk of a recession in the U.S., if the recent rally in risk asset is a bear market or something to be sustained, and what this might mean for equity and bond investors. We would also discuss the outlook for the dollar, which has broken out of its 20-year high. So hi, Abhilash, and thanks for joining me today. So over the last few months, we have seen rising concern about recession risk, uh, and the Jackson Hole Conference further reinforces central banks' priority to curb inflation. So how has the recession risk calculus changed from a perspective? Thanks, Audrey. Good to be back. Uh, Clearly, recession risks are elevated and have been the key focus for markets and investors for the past few months. Now, our quantitative recession indicator has spiked, uh, leading us to believe that the risk of recession in in US in the next 12 months continues to be on an uptrend. Uh, Until recently, uh, the expectations had been rising that the Fed could consider softening the pace of rate hikes you know, as we saw relatively weak data points come across both growth as well as housing market indicators. However, uh, at the Jackson Hole conference, uh, Fed Chair Powell was at pains to emphasize that the fight against the inflation remained the primary priority for the Fed as of now. Now, in our view, uh, the Fed is likely to stay course on its tightening policy for the rest of 2022. And our investment committee believes that policy rates are likely to rise to 3.75% by the end of this year. But we do acknowledge that there is a higher than usual uncertainty around this view. So, okay, recession risk have risen, but we've also seen asset prices have fallen over the last few months. So does that mean that investors should expect further downside to risk assets? And how should they be positioning from here? Well, that's a very good question. And, you know, if you look at it, there are very good arguments on both the bearish as well as bullish camps. So if you look at the bearish arguments right now, those rest on primarily three factors. The first one is uh, investors are arguing that, you know, equities usually bottom only once central bank policy changes direction. The second one is, uh, you know, if you look at the size and the speed of the equity rally in U.S., it resembles, uh, you know, the past bear market rallies that we have seen. And if we were to follow that pattern, it would indicate, you know, a trend of lower lows. Uh, and third, uh, valuations uh, have not become outright cheap as earnings downgrades, you know, potentially remain ahead of us. So those are the bearish arguments. But if you look at the bullish arguments, you know, the primary uh, arguments put forth are the fact that, you know, Fed rates are now above the neutral level, uh, which makes that Fed is likely to be more sensitive to weaker growth data potentially later this year, as well as early 2023, especially when it comes against a backdrop uh, where we see signs of inflation potentially peaking out. Right. So the second point is, if you look at investor positioning in equities, that still remains low. 
And the third and potentially the more important factor is, you know, when we think about recession indicators, they tend to be binary. They don't tell us anything about the depth or the length of the recession. And if you focus on the last point, you know, it's, it's important to look at it because while Fed is focused on inflation risks right now, uh, there is also, uh, you know, a potential room for Fed to cut rates quickly, you know, and sizably if needed, given that the rates are above the neutral level. Now, our preferred route to address these competing arguments is to retain equities as a core holding relative to bonds and cash and instead focus on opportunities across various regions. So Asia Japan equities remain our preferred market as we view the recent underperformance as an opportunity to add, given that Chinese policy continues to be more supportive of growth. We also like UK equities uh, as a preferred holding, you know, given the attractive valuations and the dividend yield. However, we do reduce euro area equities to a least preferred standing given that the gas price shock leaves European policymakers with very few good options to support growth while attempting to cap inflation. Now, the other key development this week has been on US government bonds. Um, they have moved sharply higher since August. In fact, if we look at the 10-year bond yield, it went up above 3.2%. And the two-year bond yield as well broke above 3.5%. I know that the CIO team has flagged income investing as offering an attractive opportunities. So how should a bond or income investors be positioned in this regard? Thanks, Audrey. Uh, and as you mentioned, yields are close to their decade highs level, uh, not only across strategies, but also within most of the other areas within the bond market. So bonds are definitely looking a bit more compelling you know, versus a couple of years back. Now, within bonds, we seek to take advantage of the recent rally in risk assets to go further up in the quality scale. So if you look at US and European high yield bonds, they have performed well since uh, mid-July. And we take this uh, recent outperformance as an opportunity to close our preferred view on US and European high yield bonds and rebalance towards investment grade corporate bonds, which, are, which we are now upgrading to a core holding. Uh, we recognize that uh, you know the still hawkish Fed means U.S. government bond yields could rise modestly from here, but we believe that any rise is likely to be contained at around 3.5% for 10-year yields. Uh, this, together with uh, the higher yields and, and the recession risks, overall means that investment-grade corporate bonds offer a more attractive risk-reward, in our opinion, compared to, let's say, a few months back. This leaves uh, Asian dollar bonds as our only preferred asset class within bonds, and we think that this view is justified given the, the still attractive yields for what is predominantly an investment grade rated asset class. Now, similar to US and European high yield bonds, we, we've taken the recent uh, risk on sentiment as an opportunity to close our preferred view on the Asian high yield bonds. Now, while yields still remain attractive, we think that the policy efforts to stabilize property sector uh, in China thus far have not gone you know as far as we would have liked to uh, for us to uh, remain constructive on it so we like asian dollar bonds but we are now neutral uh, within ig and high yield bonds well great so i guess um in addition to bond yields which has been a focus uh, of late uh, the us dollar is also a key area of concern by uh, investors and we have seen the dollar continuing to strengthen over the course of this year and it has now broken uh, out of its 20-year high. So in your view, will this um, dollar strength persist? Uh, and what are some of your key currency convictions in this environment? 
thanks, Audrey. And obviously, dollar has been a big focus given the sharp rally. Now, as far as the dollar outlook is concerned, we think that the the views are divergent uh, when we think about short term, which is three months, and maybe long term or, or twelve month scenario. Now, over the next one to three months, uh, we think euro is likely to face uh, further weakness as energy price shocks hurt real bond yields. Now, given the significant weight of euro in the dollar indices, this naturally in introduces an upside bias in uh, in the dollar in the short term. Having said that, uh, on a longer term 12 month horizon, uh, we think that uh, any uh, upward move in the dollar in the, in the coming month or two will only intensify the dollar's overvaluation, making it more vulnerable to an eventual slowdown of Fed rate hike expectations. And that causes us to uh, you know, retain a bearish long-term outlook on the dollar. Now, within the currency space, we remain bullish on the euro, Australian dollar, uh, New Zealand dollar, as well as Canadian dollar on a 12-month horizon. Uh, now, if you look at the euro, uh, obviously the high inflation, uh, slowing growth, uh, re reduced energy security and potential for eurozone instability uh, have been the key headwinds for, for the currency over the past few months. And while it's unlikely that uh, they are going to fade anytime soon, we are seeing some green shoots uh, coming through. So recently, Germany uh, shared that its gas reserves were at a higher than expected level, and EU is reportedly considering intervening in energy, in energy markets to dampen the elevated power costs. At the same time, ECB guidance has turned more hawkish, and markets are assigning a high probability of a 75 basis point rate hike in September. Uh, so, you know, while we do not rule out a test of uh, 0.985 or even 0.96 support levels in the near term, on a 12-month horizon, we expect the euro to rise towards 1.035 and then potentially towards 1.05 level. Uh, if we move to Australian dollars, uh, what really stands out to us is that uh, the currency has decoupled from fundamentals of late. Uh, one of the key uh, drivers for Australian dollar has been commodity prices. But if you look at it, uh, the terms of trade for Australian dollars remain fairly strong, but the currency has uh, been on a downtrend for the past few months, given the elevated concerns around Chinese commodity demand. That being said, with RBA likely to remain hawkish over the next few quarters uh, and interest rate differentials in favor of the Australian dollar, we expect the currency to appreciate both on the next three as well as 12 month horizon. Uh, last but not the least, uh, we have scaled back our bullish stance on the pound. Uh, so while we still expect GBP to appreciate modestly over the next 12 months, uh, we do acknowledge that it faces headwinds from elevated inflation as well as weakening growth environment, uh, in addition to the political uncertainty until a new UK prime minister is chosen. chosen. Uh, and while a new leader will, uh, will eventually be chosen, uh, he or she will need to confront the challenges of post-Brexit EU relations and calls for Scottish independence. So a retest of 1.14 low is possible. Uh, before a, a long-term rally towards 1.21. Well, those are great insights, and this is all we have time for today. Thank you, Abhilash, for sharing your thoughts, and thank you all for joining us today. If you want to read more about market views or strategies for adapting to volatile market conditions, uh, do go to Standard Chartered Wealth Insights linking page for frequent blogs and publication release. Of course, this is just a smattering of our team's view, so if you want more detailed recommendations, then please do reach out to your relationship manager or investment advisor. In the meantime, wishing you all a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week again. 
Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.